This is the Rundown. The Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studios for the next two hours. It is the Rundown. I'm Luke Lipinski, Cody Fincher, Bear, behind the glass on this fine Monday evening. Does it get any better than this, Bear? We've got a gut-wrenching ASU loss to talk about, a gut-wrenching Cardinals loss, and a Jets game on Monday Night Football to sit back and, hey, at least I won't be distracted at all during the show. Well, I mean, you will be watching a live dumpster fire, so <laughs> there's something else pretty every distracting. Day. Well, I feel like I saw a lot of that in 2020, so maybe uh, maybe it won't be distracting anymore. Um, yeah, let's let's start with the Cardinals and a game yesterday that I, I want to be clear right out of the gate. That's a game you have to have. I have a lot of respect for what Miami is building. I like Brian Flores as a coach. I was talking to Wolf yesterday morning on the early pregame show, and he said something that I think is is very true, actually, that Brian Flores might end up being the best NFL coach off the Bill Belichick coaching tree. That team's headed in the right direction. And they are a team, sometimes you can't totally quantify it if you just look on paper. You know, There are certainly there are teams that are super talented on paper, and they don't win games. And then there are teams like the Dolphins, and there's always one or two of these every year, that you look on paper and you're like, do they even have a running back? Who's who catches the ball? Who's Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback the first six weeks, but they win games. They've won four games in a row now. Miami's a solid team. They're on the way up. We talked about it all last week. Tua, there's a reason he was the number five overall pick. There's a reason he was talked about as the number one overall pick before last college season when he got hurt and Joe Burrow took off. There's all of that. And if you are that talented, even if it is your second game, you're going to be able to make some plays. All that said, you got to win that game if you're the Cardinals. You absolutely have to win that game on your home field. And I know it's not a packed stadium. It's 2020. The fans don't play nearly as big of a role as they normally would. I know home field doesn't make that big of a difference, except you're in your own building and you didn't have to travel to the game. And oh, by the way, you're facing a rookie quarterback. You face a guy like Tua, it can basically go one of two ways, and maybe it goes back and forth throughout the game. But he's either going to go out there and he's going to look like Tua. He's going to look like the guy that was dominant in college football when he played and the guy that Miami's building their team around. He's either going to look like that or he's going to look like a quarterback making his second start. And as talented as he is, a lot of that hinges on what the Cardinals do. You give him a short field, or you give him seven points right out of the gate on a fumble that Miami's defense runs back. You take bad penalties at bad times defensively to extend drives. You let him make plays. You give him room, and he's going to look like a guy who's going to be who's got a great future in this league. What the Cardinals didn't do yesterday was really ever make him look like a, a quarterback that was making his second start. Like if you didn't know any of the players on any team, you just landed here from outer space, and you're like, well, I'm on Earth, may as well watch a football game, and you were watching Cardinals-Dolphins yesterday, and you didn't know anything about the players, would you think Miami's quarterback looked like a rookie yesterday or a guy making a second start? No, and that's on the Cardinals. The way that game played out, if you force one turnover 
you probably win that game. Like, I'm not going to get into the whole, well, you know, if they had kicked the ball here in the first quarter or if they hadn't allowed this uh, this field goal at the end of the first half, then they would have won or tied because, you know, a three-point difference. Like, the game changes as it goes. But the way that game was played, one Miami turnover, Cardinals probably win. How do you not force a turnover when it is a second-year quarterback, or a second-game quarterback, sorry, rookie quarterback, that doesn't have any running backs to give the ball to? And that's the bottom line, right? Tua looked way too comfortable. Yeah, he did. Way too comfortable. There was a couple times where Marcus Golden got back there and hit him, which was awesome to see, by the way. Uh, But for the most part, Tua looked like a savvy vet back there. And that, I I agree with you. A lot of that is on the Cardinals defense. I'm not saying Tua Tungavailoa isn't a talented NFL quarterback, but you got to be able to pressure him a little bit. I expected there to be flashes in this game where you're like, yep, that's Tua. That's why he was the number five pick. I expected there to be flashes. He was consistently good all game. And that, you know, Barry, you were here last night. We did the postgame show last night. And then, you know, since then, I've had about 24 hours to think about it. That's, that's really the thing that stood out to me. You can let the opposing quarterback in this situation go one of two ways. He can either look like a future great quarterback in this league, or you can make him look like a rookie making a second start. And like I said, I expected it to pretty much go back and forth. I did expect Tua to make some plays. I didn't think this was going to be an easy game for the Cardinals. But he just never looked flustered. He he didn't turn the ball over one time. And on the other side of the ball, you've got Kyler Murray. I know he's the one that fumbled on the opening drive that Miami ran right in for a touchdown. And I know part of the reason Tua was able to get comfortable is because he had a lead pretty much right out of the gate. But the way Kyler played after that, He looked like an MVP. Three touchdown passes, 283 yards, no interceptions. Just casually rushes for another 106 yards and a touchdown. He's eighth in the NFL in rushing yards. Not eighth among quarterbacks, eighth among all players. Like If you sit there and look at the list of rushing yards in the NFL, he's ahead of most running backs. You can't ask any more from your quarterback. The weird thing, and I haven't heard anybody else say this yet. (laughs) I'm guessing most people are going to be like, oh, you're an idiot then. I came out of that game more confident the Cardinals are a playoff team, though. It was frustrating. It was infuriating. And especially after what ASU did on Saturday, I didn't need that. I didn't need another game to end like that. But you watch Kyler Murray play, and you realize this: as long as he's on the field, this is a playoff team. I think they're a playoff team this year, and I think they're a playoff team next year and beyond. But they have a lot of stuff they got to clean up if they actually want to do anything in the playoffs because there are still too many... Just needless mistakes, unforced mistakes. I like Cliff, but he he does he's still doing some weird stuff. And as much as that was a forty nine yard kick to end the game, that's not a gimme or not. I guess it wasn't supposed to end the game. It was supposed to send it in overtime. Zane's got to hit that. You're basically playing an indoor field, and you're in the NFL. You have to hit that. And we've all had the same story in the newsroom today. It was so straight. Everybody kind of mentally moved on to, okay, now you got to make sure you get this to overtime. You stop Miami. How do you short a 49-yard kick? We've seen him hit from much further than that this season. So, very frustrating game. I do absolutely think this is a playoff team. A lot of that is because they still had a chance to win despite taking dumb penalties and having your secondary beat up and making some questionable decisions and missing a late kick. But... A lot of it is just simply Kyler Murray looks better now than he did even four weeks ago. He started the season, and everybody's like, is he going to run more this year? Last year, you know, he looked good, but he didn't really run. Well, now he's running. 
And then a few weeks into the season, it's like, okay, he's running and he's dynamic and that's awesome and he's always a threat to run, but it's just not accurate. Okay, well, now he's accurate. So then it was like, well, but he doesn't really throw the ball down the field. Four straight games, he has a touchdown pass over 35 yards. One of them is 56 yards. One of them is 80 yards. Christian Kirk is his deep threat. Kyler Murray is getting better. That's why this team is definitely a playoff team. But yesterday, the spotlight was finally on Arizona, and you let Miami steal it from you. Because it's not like you lost to Carolina a few weeks ago, or you lost to Detroit, where everybody nationally is like, whatever, we don't care about Detroit. You lost, and now Tua has all the spotlight. And if that matters to you, then yesterday was even more infuriating. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Well, if you thought the Cardinals' loss was bad, ASU's loss on Saturday morning was even worse. And since Bear and I both went to ASU, what a joyous way to start your weekend. Yeah, and you had to wake up really early to watch it, too. Yeah, (laughs) yes, you did. Especially if you were working it, as I believe you were, weren't you? I sure was. Uh, That was just... Merlin Robertson comes out of that game as the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. Michael Turk, the Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week. Woo! (laughs) That's better than a win, isn't it? (laughs) Ah, man, you had USC on the rope. Not even on the ropes. You had, like, USC through the ropes and kind of leading on people in the crowd to try and get back in the ring. They had essentially shut down... Amon Ross St. Brown, who might be the best receiver in the nation, is certainly one of them. He had a few catches on the opening drive, and then Jack Jones just had him shut down, but then Jack Jones got hurt, and he was kind of... So many cramps in that game for I was just going to say, I've never seen so many just, oh, that guy's cramping. Yeah. Jack Jones went down with cramps like three times. And, and that... So many little things had to go wrong for, and some big things too, for ASU to lose that game. The lead that they had late, they had essentially shut down Keaton Slovis. Like, the defense played a remarkable game for ASU, and Jaden Daniels didn't come out of it with amazing numbers. They don't seem to want to block for him, which is going to be an issue, assuming that the Pac-12 is able to play any more games this season. The O-line looked terrible yesterday, Saturday. They were okay blocking for the run. Like, Chip Trainum looks really good. Rashad White looked really good. Jaden Daniels still looked good. He just didn't have much time to pass. But I was most impressed, most impressed by the defense. And I know their numbers at the end of the day, yards allowed, were terrible. But I've been saying now for a year and a half, the reason I was so optimistic about the 2020 Sun Devils, yes, it's Jaden Daniels, but primarily it's their defense because now Merlin Robertson has been playing college football for a while. And Ashari Crosswell never barely got on the field, it, it felt like. But like Jack Jones is better. And you've got all these... You've, You've got weapons on defense, and you've got guys that for a while were shutting down USC's passing games, forcing turnovers, and then you give up a a tipped touchdown, a fourth down. I don't know how you let somebody recover their own onside kick, and then, of course, they come right down and score. And even when USC scored to go up 28-27 with a minute 20 left, I still thought, KSU, that's a minute and a half for Jaden Daniels. This is when he feeds. But, uh, no, USC wins. That game was, uh, to me, worse than the Cardinals game. At least the Cardinals game was like, okay, you lost to an NFL team. That I mean, that was one of those games where like, you see games like that every week. That ASU game was like, <laughs> dominate a game for 56 minutes and lose. That's just standard when they play USC throughout the years. Uh, back to the Cardinals. A lot, of, uh, a lot of talk of who to blame. 
today, and we'll get more into that later on in the show. Zane is certainly a candidate. Cliff, Cliff blamed himself, so if he was playing the blame game, he would put it squarely on himself. The defense was not good against Miami, as we have outlined. They were beat up. They're trying to get that secondary patched back together around Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson. But they looked like a, uh, a depleted secondary yesterday. There's a lot of blame to go around after that game, but you really can't put much, if any, on the offense. And NFL in general, I took a little solace from the Buccaneers game last night, just in the in the sense of we're talking about the Cardinals all last week, you know, win this game. Seattle might lose to Buffalo. You could be tied for first. Like, the Cardinals are in that conversation potentially to be the best team in the NFC. If they win yesterday, they're right there tied for best record in the NFC. And then you see how they lose, and you're like, come on, really? But then you look around, and you're like, yeah, Seattle lost again, and their problems look a little less correctable because their defense is horrible. And you see the Buccaneers, and everybody wants to anoint the Buccaneers because... It's Tom Brady and it's Gronk and it's Antonio Brown. And four years ago, that that trio would have been amazing. And they go out there and they lose by 31 or whatever it was. I, I didn't even watch the second half. Just kind of a reminder that no matter how good you think you are, unless you're like the Chiefs, and even they almost lost. It's the NFL. Steelers, though, 8-0 somehow. They almost lost to Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> so, really, anything goes. All right, when we come back. Yesterday's loss could be damaging for the Cardinals. I don't think it will be beyond yesterday, but if it is damaging beyond yesterday, it's because of how upset the quarterback is. We'll get into that next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. All right, here we go. Let's get into this. This is basically therapy for Cardinals fans this evening. I hope you've been listening all day because that game yesterday would take, let's see, what do we have, 14 hours of, uh, 12 hours of live programming, 14 hours, why can't I do math, 6 to 8, yeah, 14 hours of live programming on our station today. And that game yesterday required about 14 hours of football therapy, especially when you throw the ASU game in there. This is Kyler Murray. After the game, and for context, this is right after the game last night. This is not like a Zoom call to the media today. This is not any of that, but this is right after the game last night, and I will will reiterate this. I've covered the team now for a few years, but I was out of practice at least two or three times a week last year on top of the games. And Kyler, at the start of last season, when he was a rookie, his first couple games, just wasn't the most talkative guy in the world. He's not like a huge talking guy to the media, but... He's gotten better and better with his answers, better and better about opening up. Um, you know, I never, never like standoffish or anything. It's just he was a rookie last year, and he even said a couple times, like, I just want to let my play do the talking. That, that's who he is, and that's fine. I, He's I, a quiet dude. He is. Even on social media. Like, do you follow him at all? Like, Yeah, I, I do. He, he most, rarely posts anything. And if he does, it's like five words. Or it's a link to his Twitch stream yeah. to watch him play Madden. It, with like a line Fortnite. or like watch this or you know what I mean or like or it's one to know after they win a game or like the Cardinals tweeted something out last week and he retweeted it with like I like this you know <laughs> like he Kyler, instead of just liking it he I like yeah. this tweet <laughs> I it, remember when Twitter went from 140 characters to 280 I think they took all the extra characters from Kyler he only gets like 12 he can use for some reason so that's the context but he has he 
is talking more and more. And all last week, he asked, answered a ton of questions about Tua, even though, you know, he's, it's not like they're best friends, not like they know each other that well, but they, their paths crossed in college, and he answered a lot of questions about Tua. This is after the loss yesterday evening. Uh, we'll start here. What can you tell me about the mutual respect between you and Tua? Uh, I mean, I've said it. Um, I mean, I've only been around him a couple times. Um, nothing but love for him and his family. Um, uh, he obviously played well today, uh, well enough to beat us. So Yeah, nothing wrong with that answer, but uh, there's more. How do you process this, and how do you move forward from here? Uh, hold on. Um, yeah. Gotta be better. It's uncomfortable. Wow. Isn't it uncomfortable? <laughs> I'm uncomfortable and I wasn't even in that Zoom yeah, call seriously. really. You imagine like the press if that had been a, a normal in person press conference, just somebody else would ask another question. The fact that he he said, Hold on. Yeah. And then went like <laughs> uh like, I wonder what he really wanted to say. Well, that, that's the thing, right? That silence speaks volumes. Normally, we're not in the business of playing 15 seconds of dead air during you know, the 6 o'clock hour when people are driving home, but the context there is so important. He sounds like, to me, he sounds like one of four things, okay? Uh, either he's the quarterback of the Jets and they just went 0-8. He sounds like... His team just got eliminated in brutal fashion in the playoffs, like the Saints a couple years ago when uh, the Rams interfered in the NFC Championship, like that, you know, where you had it taken from you. He sounds like a quarterback that just played out of his mind and his team lost the game because their kicker couldn't make a kick. Or he sounds like there's something he really wants to say and he's not saying it. He sounds just let down. He does. And defeated. See, I don't want him to sound defeated. I, I mean, maybe that's not the right word. Well, no, but that's just really, really, really disappointed. Like this, it, like I, I kind of agree. It almost sounds like he lost like this huge playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he just doesn't really. He really hates losing to Tua. Well, <laughs> that it kind of seems like that, right? It seems like specifically I Tua. I, I don't know. I don't think Tua. it's that, but I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying like this for whatever lo- reason this loss seemed to sting more. And again, the reason I bring up the fact that I was at practice so much last year is because Kyler Murray is used to winning at the high school level, at the college level. I know most guys in the NFL are used to winning at the high school and college level. Kyler Murray is used to winning at those levels because of him predominantly. And so last year, even when the team was a five-win team and they weren't supposed to be good, those losses, you could tell, still stung on Wednesday when he was talking to the media. But that's why I was saying he kind of got more and more, not used to it, but I've made this this sort of analogy before. It almost felt like at a certain point last season he realized, for my own mental well-being, I can't let each loss kill me because we're not there yet. But I'm going to make a mental note of all the teams that beat us or all these things we can change. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to have more losing seasons in my career. Like, it seemed like Kyler, not that he accepted losing last year, but that he realized it had to be his reality for one year. 
But even in the moment last year, it was kind of like, I'm not going through this again. And yesterday, it seemed to just really eat at him, which I know people are, are, are freaking out about this. I want my quarterback to be that bothered by a win-loss. The other end of the spectrum is your quarterback's Johnny Manziel, and he's like, let's go to the club. Like, I would rather have Kyler, who it eats at him when they lose. But if he had something else he was he was holding back from saying there, that's that's the only one of those four scenarios I just threw out there that would bother me. If he feels like they're 0-8 because they lost the game, like, you know, every week when they win, they're 1-0 in his mind. So I guess when they lose, they're 0-1. Whatever. That's fine. If that gets him motivated, that's that's cool. If he wants to feel like that was a gut-wrenching loss, more power to him. Again, I want my quarterback like that. If he's frustrated because they played well enough to win and his kicker missed a kick, yeah, that that's right after the game. That's not four days later. If there's something else he's not saying, that's the only one that concerns me. Maybe it's because he knows that this team is good now and that they have a really a, a real chance to make the playoffs and they've lost games that they shouldn't have lost, like to Detroit and Carolina. And you could argue this game as well, coming off a of bye week, yeah. where he was the one that said, there is no bye week for me. There's no bye week. He and was saying they, that last, and last they year. came out in the first half yesterday with no energy. I remember going into the bye week last year. Maybe it was coming out of the bye week. Somebody asked him uh, at the Cardinals facility, "Like, hey, you know, did you did you get some time away from you know from football the bye week?" He's like, "No, I play football. Like, I wanted to play. Like, that's just the way he's wired." And let me just reiterate, that's a good thing. But those those are the two main ones. There's really his entire post game press conference yesterday. It's like. It's like interpretive art where everybody hears it a little bit differently. And I know, I know from talking to people, I know from listening uh, to, to this station today, I know that some people, you go on social media, I know some people are freaked out by that because it's like, you know, what, what, what is he not saying? Is, is there a rift between him and, and Cliff? Is there a rift between him and DeAndre Hopkins? Is there, is there, I'm not reading all that into it. I'm really not. I, and it's just my own personal interpretation. But my personal interpretation is, Losing bothers him that much. I feel like losing bothers Kyler Murray more than he enjoys winning. Is that and and it's funny because if you look at Tua, Tua, and I've said this before, I feel like he's in the Russell Wilson vein where like winning is the greatest thing in the world, but even losing is fun because we'll get to play again next week. Like that's the sort of attitude Tua seems to have. Whereas Kyler, it's like, well, we lost, so my week sucks until we win again. And I don't know how good that is for him, like for his own personal health. But if you're a Cardinals fan, didn't you feel that way after the game yesterday? I, I didn't talk to many Cardinals fans after the game yesterday that were like, ah, well, they'll get them next time. No, they were all like, uh, that sucked. We should have won. And we let it slip away against the team that's on the way up. But we had a chance to be first in the, in the, in the entire NFC. Not even just, okay, we're going to pull into a tie with the Seahawks. Like, nah. You were going to pull into a tie with the Seahawks, and you have the tiebreaker, and all of a sudden Seattle is not really winning or playing well, I should say. And you know Tampa lost. You would have been tied for first in the NFC. There's no shame in losing to the Dolphins. Like it's not embarrassing that you lost to the Dolphins. They're five and three now. But you would talk about missed opportunities. And what Miami is like the one team that's just plowing right through the NFC West. They've beat the Rams. 49ers, Cardinals. I think they lost to the Seahawks. But they were close in that game. Yeah. They were they were in it till the end. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, you start to look, and like I said earlier, that just the national perception. Uh, I heard some of the the Bill Simmons podcast this week, and he does you know every every Sunday night they go through kind of all the games and they start trying to project the uh, you know the the betting lines for the upcoming week. But they talk about what they just saw on Sunday, and Bill Simmons is not like a former football player; he's not an analyst or anything like that. He just he approaches it, and he said this: he approaches it as as just like a super fan for the game of football. He's a huge Boston guy; he's a huge Patriots fan. The Patriots are horrible. In fact, they're losing to the Jets right now already somehow three nothing. And so he's he's just sort of a he's the the poster child for the guy I'm always talking about or the fan I'm always talking about when it comes to the Cardinals gaining respect nationally. And I've only heard part of the podcast for this week, but he said he was driving through Arizona, he was listening to Wolf and Pash, although he didn't know exactly who Wolf was, so it was funny hearing him do a Wolf impression trying to figure out who it was. But He's one of those people. He's one of those fans. I think he speaks for a lot of them. It's like I'm all. I'm really interested in this Cardinals team. I'm all in. In fact, he even said, you know, this this would be a great Super Bowl, and I agree. Um, but by the end, he's talking about Tua because Tua came in here and stole your spotlight. And maybe that doesn't mean all that much to Kyler Murray, or maybe it does deep down. You know, this is not he lost to. Matthew Stafford or something like Stafford was the number one overall pick 10, 12 years ago. This is like, you've been compared to Tua before at the college level. This was supposed to be your game to win to kind of get some revenge at the NFL level of like, "Ah, sorry, Tua, maybe next year or whenever we play again. And instead you lose, and I'm telling you, it has to sting more when you are a position player just getting beat up all game to make plays. I mean, Kyler lowered the the shoulder on one of the runs. Like, he he got hit yesterday. It has to hurt more when you're doing all that and your kicker misses a field goal at the end. All right, we come back. We're going to get back into the ASU game. This is a painful show. We're going to get back into uh, what we saw yesterday, or Saturday, rather, from ASU, and what to expect going forward, including are they going to have a game next week? That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. So the weekend of missed opportunities actually started well before the Cardinals game. Early Saturday morning, well, I mean relatively early, 10 o'clock here. But uh, but still early for the Pac-12 and uh, for the first game of what I think could be a fun season, a fun short season for the Pac-12, you know, assuming they play any more games. It did not, it did not, uh, that first game did not end well for us here in the Valley. ASU against USC. If you go into USC, number 20 in the nation, I actually think USC, talent-wise, is slightly better than Oregon, but it's close. Uh, but if you can go in there and beat them to start things off, you know, you got Herm as your coach, you got Jaden Daniels as your quarterback. College football fans are already kind of taking notice of you. If you could go in there and essentially do for 60 minutes what you did for 55 minutes, there's a lot of talk about ASU this week. Instead, you're just kind of back into obscurity. And the way that game went down, I mean, if you if you think back, so what, it's, it's 27-14 ASU, they punt. USC starting at their own 20 with 428 left in the game. Now, Keaton Slovis, if you don't follow college football that closely outside of ASU, Keaton Slovis, very good quarterback. Uh, he actually was freshman of the year in the Pac-12 last year over Jaden Daniels, and we all know Jaden Daniels had a pretty good freshman season. 
Slovis from here. Uh, he's from Desert Mountain, I believe, up in Scottsdale. Um, there's like 19 high schools here that have the word desert or mountain in them, but he's from Desert Mountain. He moves them down the field, but still, fourth and three, they convert. That's at their own 27. They'll convert that. The game is over, probably. They convert. They move up the field. They get to fourth and 13 at the ASU 26. Tipped pass in the end zone. Touchdown. If you are an ASU fan, at that moment, you're like, I've seen this before against USC. I have, and I don't want to see it again. So that made it 27-21. USC onside kick. I don't know how ASU doesn't get that onside kick. That was not like some amazing Greg Zerline kick the ball into the ground and it spins in the air and it's like a matrix thing. It was right to an ASU player. USC gets it, comes down the field, fourth and nine, touchdown. Okay, still one-point game. Jaden Daniels, a minute 20 left. This We've seen Jaden Daniels play his best football in the final couple minutes. Nothing going on offense. ASU loses 28-27. And if you are Herm, you're probably the right man for the job. And, and I know that there's like questions as to how many, you know, if Cal can play, which is who ASU plays this week. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm just approaching this as if there's still a... a a season ahead here for ASU with you know six more games. Herm might be just the right guy for the job because there was a lot of good in that game. It doesn't mean anything at the end of the day because you lost. But it could be something to build off of going forward in the sense that we didn't know who was going to replace Eno Benjamin in the backfield. DeMonte Trainum looked really good. Rashad White looked pretty good. The defense looked legit. I mean, they they made USC's offense look pretty pedestrian for a good chunk of that game, and they forced turnovers against, like I said, USC probably has the most offensive weapons or the best offensive weapons in the Pac-12, with all due respect to Oregon. So you do all that. It's your first game of the season. It's college, so everything's a little more volatile anyway. I like what I saw for most of that game. And so just from an evaluation purpose, it's encouraging. But to lose, and to lose that way, it's going to fall on that coaching staff. And I guess to an extent, the, the the leadership among the players. But, I mean, those are college guys too. So it's like it really is going to fall on the coaching staff to make sure that loss isn't damaging for the rest of the season. This is Herm on with Doug and Wolf this morning. I've been involved in a lot of them. In my lifetime, a professional level, you know, college as well, and now, but and that's one I, I I just scratched my head. I was like, "Come on, we we got to And 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 I and I told players that you know I said, guys, you know, football is about opportunities and big moments. And when you have an opportunity, you can't let it slip. You just can't. You got to you got to capitalize on it. You go on the road and you're playing a team that you're you know you're ten point underdog, and in the fourth quarter with four twenty eight, you're sitting in good shape. You got to close the game out. You got to finish it. Uh, more from Herm on now how you move forward after that. It needs to be in their gut. You know, yesterday it was in their gut. Um, today, I, I hope it, it kind of subsides. And then tomorrow, we got to get ready for next week, you know, and who our opponent is is Cal. And, uh, and, and, and it's going to be another battle. And, and so I just think our guys have to realize, you know, we're, all games we play now are in our conference, whether it's in the north or the south. Mm-hmm. And they're all going to be, you know, dog fights. And so muscle up. Uh, we got to let it go. We, we start work again tomorrow in our preparation. You got to get ready to try to win a football game uh, Saturday. Yeah, and I, and I think they can bounce back. They have the talent ASU does to be one of the best teams in the Pac-12. 
I hope they get a chance to bounce back. I mean, Cal obviously didn't get to play this past weekend, and it's not because their opponent was dealing with COVID. It's because Cal was dealing with COVID. And so I will repeat what I said on Friday night when we were going into the weekend and we knew Cal wasn't going to get to play their game against UW and uh, and that Utah wasn't going to get to play U of A because Utah was dealing with COVID issues. I sincerely hope the Pac-12 is looking at the possibility of if Cal and Utah can't play again this weekend, can we just have ASU play UCLA, who's supposed to play Utah? Can we just have that happen instead of having four teams sit again? I understand you couldn't make that switch, I guess, on Friday night last weekend, but you've known for a few days, and these games are still a few days away. I'm hoping, because it's already a short enough season as it is, and just as a fan, I'd like to see how ASU bounces back from that one. Cal's a, a decent team, but I mean, if they... If you can't play Cal and UCLA is just sitting there with nobody to play either, like, come on. To the Cardinals, I, I talked about this on the postgame show last night. I'll give the same disclaimer I gave last night. I'm not giving Zane a pass on how that game ended. You're an NFL kicker. You got to hit that 49-yarder. And it's not like you hit it wrong it's not like they were kicking in the wind it's not like you know he hit it wrong and it just it pushed wide right or something it's not like who was the guy on the bears in the playoffs a couple years ago cody parkey where he hit the upright in the it's not any of that he just didn't kick the ball far enough which you almost never see unless somebody's trying a 65 yarder in the nfl now but i will just say this as we try and figure out if he's safe as the Cardinals kicker, and I know Cliff today said he is. I heard Dave Burns when I was uh, when I was driving around before say, "Yeah, Zane probably has one more." I don't know if it was Burns or Gambo actually said Zane probably has one more miss in a clutch situation. That's probably it. I mean, they have Mike Nugent hanging around, and if he if he misses another clutch kick, that's probably a loss. So I mean, you only have so many of these. The one thing I would say because I don't want to be the team that's switching kickers every week, like the Chargers a few years ago or Jacksonville this year. It's not like if you switch from Zane to Mike Nugent or somebody else, all of a sudden all the kicks are going in. It's it's not like that. It's not guaranteed. Maybe, maybe. But I don't want to do anything just out of raw emotion at the end of the game yesterday. So I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they're at least like sort of reassessing this going forward. But that leash better be as short as possible because... It's just, it's a kick you need to hit yesterday. But for some perspective, even if he hits that kick, Miami still has the ball with time. Even if they don't score, we go to overtime. It's not like they just got eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. They were going to win and he missed the kick and so they lost. There was more to it than that. I will also say this. Zane has missed four field goals this season. They are from 41 yards, 49 yards, 49 yards, and 52 yards. Again, no excuses, But it's not like he's hooking 32-yard kicks. And the 41-yarder, of course, was against the Seahawks when he had just hit it and his own coach iced him. So I'm falling in line with that school of thought of you give Zane one more try, basically. Goes out there and he kicks well against Buffalo. Okay, you're fine then. You go out there and you get to kick against Seattle after that. It's fine. I want my kicker looking over his shoulder because that's not going to make him kick better. But as far as managing a team... I don't need to be loyal to the kicker over 52 other guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that leash has got to be short 
But I would just say within context, because when he missed it yesterday, and especially when he, he missed it short, everybody's like, oh, here's Zane again. It's like, oh, I mean, his other missed kicks this year are up around 50 yards. So it's it's not, he is hitting the ones he is, quote, supposed to hit. But if you if you want to be a playoff team, if you want to challenge for the NFC West, well, then the bar has been raised. And quite honestly, when Kyler Murray is your quarterback and he's taking the steps he's taking this year, the bar is already raised. And as such, your kicker's got to make big kicks in the final couple minutes of a game because that's life in the NFL when you're good. Unless you're the Chiefs, and even the Chiefs yesterday had to had to fade a, a late kick by uh, Joey Sly for the Panthers. Games are close. When games aren't close, you are the Jets, and you're getting blown out every week, or you're Dallas before they found the revelation known as Garrett Gilbert, apparently. But if you're going to be good in this league, then you know it's it's not always going to be winning by a touchdown late or Kyler moving the ball and just running it in at the end of the game. Although I do feel like there was other ways they could have got a first down there, maybe got Zane in a better position, or maybe just scored a touchdown. But uh, yeah, the, the the leash has got to be short. But again, I wouldn't completely panic on Zane. Having said that, if he goes out there and misses a big one next week, I'm yeah, I'm not looking forward to the show after that one. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Cliff Kingsbury. We've kind of alluded to what he is uh, saying and thinking right now, but if he's on with Bickley and Murata this afternoon, as he is after every game this season. So we'll get some of his thoughts straight from the coach himself. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Ak Chin Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here, bear behind the glass. Cardinals 5-3, and three, exactly at their halfway point of the season. So, you know, that just the simple fact that they are eight games into their 16-game schedule lends itself to some sort of reflection from fans and media and maybe even a little uh, internal reflection within the, uh, the organization. But to lose the way they did yesterday... Lends itself even more to that. Uh, I don't think you gotta. You, you have to be careful to not overreact to yesterday. It's not like you got blown out. There would be a lot more concern from me, and I don't want to minimize what happened yesterday. That's a game you need to win. But it would be a lot more concerning to me if they had lost to Miami 34-13 or something. And I know some people they would say, "Well, that was just a bad game." You know, you just move on. The ending of the game yesterday was bad. Now. There are questions. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, I I love his aggressiveness, but he's aggressive for 55 minutes in a game. We get to the end of the game, and for whatever reason, he turns super conservative with his play calling or his decision making. I think he will outgrow that as he gets more experience at the NFL level. But Kyler Murray's growing so quickly that the expectations are rising in a hurry and you may have a team on your hands that when Kyler plays the way he did yesterday minus the fumble on the first drive but honestly you can even include it even with that fumble when he plays the way he did yesterday you should win a lot more often than not he plays like that you should be challenging for the division and they are five and three is right there they're a game back of Seattle but Seattle's got some holes Russell Wilson is amazing DK Metcalf doesn't look human sometimes. By the way, how insane is it that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown were on the same college team? 
And that college team wasn't even that good. Um, I will give anybody who can name the quarterback of that college team a million dollars, but you can't Google it and you only have one second. Time's up. I only know because I looked it up earlier. We were talking about this, and I don't remember his name. It was like, it was a name I'd never heard before. Um, the the way that game ended, though, it does, it, you know, it's only natural for it to raise some questions about your kicker, to raise some questions about your coach, and, and not, you know, oh, should Cliff be fired? Is he the guy for this job? No, not that. Just like, Cliff's got some stuff he's got to work on. He blames himself a lot after these games that they lose. I'm not pinning that loss yesterday on him, but uh, there's some stuff he could be better at, certainly. But when you have a quarterback as good as Kyler Murray, and I would go back to the conversation we had last Monday, how many quarterbacks in this league, if you're redrafting from scratch right now going forward, so age and everything gets, gets factored in, if the league is redrafting, where are you taking Kyler Murray? It's Patrick Mahomes number one. Kyler might be number two. If he's not, he's in He's in that tier. And there's not a lot of guys in that second tier. So that is still exciting. And when he plays the way he played yesterday, I'm encouraged about the future of this team. But they've got some stuff they got to clean up. And they got to do it quickly because this is – your window's already open. You're not paying your quarterback barely anything. That was a double negative. You're barely paying your quarterback anything. This is live radio, so we can't cut that out. Your window's open right now. And your window is probably its most open next year because you're still not paying him, and he should be even better next season. But look around. Who in the NFC do you look at and say, ah, the Cardinals couldn't beat them, so you know we're going to have to look for There's nobody in the NFC the Cardinals can't beat. But the problem is they're not mature enough to just put teams away consistently, the teams that they should beat, like, like we saw yesterday. College football, ASU, just a brutal finish to their opener. It was it was such an encouraging start, such an encouraging first half, such an encouraging first three quarters, such an encouraging first part of the fourth quarter, and then everything came crashing down. A series of fourth down conversions for USC, an onside kick recovery, a tipped pass touchdown in the end zone on fourth down, ASU doing nothing with the ball at the end of the game, and the Sun Devils... It's just another one in a, a, a long chapter of frustrating losses to USC. Any Sun Devil fan can still tell you about the uh, the Matt Liner, Reggie Bush era. I mean, ASU got one back with that Jalen Strong with the Jail Mary a few years ago. But that one yesterday is tough because ASU was the, was the better team for most of that game. And if you win that game, I know it's a short season. I know there's asterisks everywhere. But... You're looking at the rest of the season with the inside track to win the Pac-12 South, and 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 you should because you beat USC in their in their stadium. But instead, you end up losing by a point. Now you have you have to bounce back quick. Hopefully, hopefully there's a game this weekend. Uh, back to the Cardinals. We played the clip earlier. I won't play it here just because we are trying to speed through this segment. And uh, Kyler Murray took took his time in answering questions in post game yesterday when he was asked about. Uh, was essentially asked to talk about how good Tua played, and I don't, I don't blame him for. I don't blame any quarterback for not wanting in a, in a game like that right afterwards, not being all excited to talk about the opponent who won and how great they were. He did ultimately say something nice about Tua, but it's it's like a twenty second cut, and a lot of it's just dead air of him just sitting there like, Ugh. 
Uh, he was asked, how do you process this loss? That's like 20 seconds of dead air, and then he's just kind of like, yeah, i got to move on. He did mention he doesn't think anybody should have been worried about the fact that they could have jumped in the first place. Me personally, I'm not, I wasn't really worried about a first place in the division. I don't think anybody should be worried about that. I don't think anybody should be worried about that. Um, you know, we, uh, we came out here and laid an egg. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. We got to be better. Cardinals allowed to, uh, to look like the guy that Miami hopes he will ultimately become. And he's a really good player, but he hasn't proven it in the NFL yet. And when it's his second start and you are a good team like the Cardinals are, your mindset, and honestly, it should be something you accomplish. Going into that game should be, yeah, you know what, Tua's probably going to have a really good career, maybe a great career. That's not our issue. He's not in our division. It's beyond our control. But today in his second start, some growing pains for Tua, and none of that happened. He didn't turn the ball over once. He had time to make plays. He looked way too comfortable. Miami got him a lead early. And, uh, and that you know, that's... Think how different that game is if the Cardinals jump out to a 14-7 lead in the first quarter and all of a sudden Tua's got to... He's got to bring the Dolphins back. And they can't run because they don't have Miles Gaskin or Matt Breida. And they're on the road and it's his second start. And that, he doesn't strike me as somebody that's easily rattled. So I'm not saying that he would have just imploded. But, man, put him in that position. Don't don't give the rookie making his second start a lead early, a lead for a good chunk of the game, and give him enough room to feel comfortable enough to improvise and make some plays because he did that yesterday. I mean, you lost to a rookie. At the end of the day, we may look back in 15 years and say, oh, okay, well, two is on his way to the Hall of Fame. That's great. Yesterday was his second start. You didn't make him look like a rookie. You should have made him look like a rookie, even if it was – Hey, he looked like a really good rookie. You gotta force a turnover in a game like that. How much did we say all week? The defense could just win this game for the Cardinals. That wasn't supposed to be a game Kyler had to win. That was supposed to be uh, yeah, you know, Kyler goes out there, doesn't turn the ball over, maybe once. Tosses a couple touchdowns, does his typical, you know, maybe runs for 60 yards. Miami's defense keeps them honest or whatever. Yeah, the Cardinals should win. Ran for over 100 yards, threw three touchdowns, ran for another touchdown. If I told you Kyler Murray's stat line before the game yesterday, you probably would have said, okay, the Cardinals won this game by at least double digits. 14, 17 points. Instead, they end up losing. Monday Night Football going on right now. I believe that was a jump pass from Joe Flacco, a touchdown to Brashard Perriman. It's 10-7 Jets over the Patriots. Let's play out the conspiracy theory here. If if Belichick wants Trevor Lawrence, he would have to lose to the Jets, right? Going even 2-14 and 14 wouldn't be enough because the Jets look like they should go 0-16. I never thought of that. Yeah. Mm. Man, the Patriots are bad. Like we knew- I think they know it, too. Like, just watching them play. Yeah. I feel like they know they're bad. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be this bad. I'm all for giving Tom Brady a ton of credit for all those Super Bowls, but I've always thought it was like 60-40 Belichick. And it didn't look like it was going to be that bad early on in the season, but ever since they had that issue with Cam Newton getting COVID-19, they've just it's been a down downward trend since then. Yeah. Well, look, they play the Jets today. 
They play the Jets in Week 17. So, yeah. If you're watching this game for fantasy purposes, you know, to wrap up, I mean, a lot of times Monday Night Football is like it's where your fantasy game gets decided. Why are you starting a Jet? Why are you starting a Patriot? What Patriot are you comfortable starting? I mean, I am starting their defense. My game's already over. And their defense has been playing well against the Jets. Got to give uh, Adam Gase some credit, too. He's uh, he's really going all in on seeing if Frank Gore is the running back they're going to build around for the future. Yeah, Frank Gore is, he's, you know, a young man of 55. Just, just, <laughs> just keep feeding your 55-year-old running back. I don't know if Michael Pirine's some amazing running back of the future or not, but I know he's a rookie running back. I know the Jets are awful, and I know Frank Gore has been playing since before my parents were born. So why would you keep feeding, feeding Frank Gore more than Pirine each week? And yet, Adam Gase does things his way. He's a rebel. Might go 0-16. And he seems, uh, he seems invincible as far as getting fired by the Jets. And finally, ASU Hoops. We'll talk more about them certainly in the coming weeks. It's a football show tonight, but uh, they open up number 18 in the AP pool. Not bad. Not bad at all. I will take ASU basketball starting in the top 25. And they, they probably, I mean, that's that seems about right. They're coming off a couple good seasons. Boy, remember going into March Madness last year, and March Madness ultimately never happened. High hopes for ASU last year, and then another just stellar recruiting class by Bobby Hurley. Really hope we are able to get sports going, like, full speed ahead, college healthy here soon, because ASU football and ASU basketball, this is... Uh, this is some of the, the most talent those two teams in particular have had in a while. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at the playoff picture in the NFC, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. Bear and I are going to name our teams, our playoff teams, our seven playoff teams right now. I don't know what's on the line. We'll figure that out during the break. But we're gonna, I'm writing this down, and we're going to look back after Week 17. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, before we jump into football, was it was it, it was Jeff Passon that had the tweet first? Okay, for the news first. Uh, Tony Larusa. Now I can't find the tweet. Uh, Jeff Passon tweeting out: Chicago White Sox manager Tony Larusa arrested on suspicion of. Driving under the influence in February and charged with DUI a day before the team hired him, according to court records obtained by ESPN. He was arrested here in Arizona as well. Yeah. And if you are wondering, as I was, yes, Tony LaRussa already has DUI for falling asleep in an intersection back in 2007. I... Didn't understand the White Sox decision to hire Tony LaRussa before this news. Um, Chicago actually has a pretty talented roster going forward in the uh, AL Central. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. That's just news that just came down here in the last few minutes. I, I I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get fired over this, but that's twice. Twice is not like a, oh, you know, it was, it was a fluke and it was a mistake, and it's uh, now it's twice. And again, I don't know why the White Sox with a a young talented team have decided that this is the guy that needs to be their manager. But uh, either way, here we go. Uh, To the NFL. We're going to go through the NFC right now since it's the halfway point for the Cardinals, and it's right around the halfway point for uh, for most teams. 
was funny. If you were watching Red Zone yesterday, they had it was the end of the Chiefs Panthers game. They were like, okay, when the second this game ends, we are exactly halfway through the season. It was whatever it is, two hundred fifty eighth game of the season. My my numbers might be uh, off there a little bit, but um, so we're I mean we're right there basically at the halfway point. So why not? Let's take a look at the NFC. Specifically to the Cardinals, I'll just start with this. It's another reason why that game yesterday was so painful to lose. Even if you don't think you're going to ultimately, if you don't think they're going to catch that, I'm sure the Cardinals think they're going to catch the Seahawks, but if you as a fan don't think the Cardinals are going to catch the Seahawks or whatever, and you're just like, ah, let's just get in the playoffs, you know, this is everybody take a, take a deep breath for a second. This is year two for Kyler and Cliff. If they just make the playoffs, I'll be happy. Okay. But by losing yesterday, you go from tied with the Seahawks for first all the way down to sixth in the NFC. And the reason that matters is you really want to be that first wild card in the NFC if you're not going to win the division because the first wild card gets to play whatever the NFC East is sending to the playoffs. So the difference between being the first wild card and playing Philadelphia right now or dropping to the second wild card where the Cardinals are is a difference between playing Philadelphia or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Green Bay. What would you rather do? All right, uh, Bear, do you have your list? Sure. I got to be honest. I think we're going to see some chalk here the rest of the way in the Mm. NFC. We're going to see some of these teams move around, but this was kind of an eye-opener doing this. I don't really see any team like Minnesota or Atlanta or Carolina. Those are the three teams that that are a ways back that I think are decent, but... They're so far back, I don't see any of them sneaking into you. No, and then there's a team like the Chicago Bears who are frauds that are 5-4. and four. They're not going to get in. Did we both have them when we did our yes. NFL? Do we both have number one? I had. Uh, I can't remember if you did. I definitely did. We def- I either had them one or two. Our, are- our list of teams we don't believe in, right? Yeah, yeah I'm... I'm I'm 100% sure I had them number one. They're 0-3 since we made that list. So. <laughs> yeah, though I also had the Bills on that list, and I retract that and <laughs> officially retract that. The Buffalo Bills are good. I'm trying to think who else I had. I had Cleveland on there. I had uh, anybody in the NFC East. Oh, that's accurate. Uh, I had oh, the, I did too. I had the Colts and the Browns. That's why I had number one, yeah. was whoever won the NFC East. Yeah, and then uh, I had the Colts and the Browns, and then the... <laughs> I don't know if this is the right order, but the Bills and then the the Bears. The Colts. Those are my five. You might still be right on on all those except the Bills, honestly. Yeah, I don't know about the Colts. They seem like they're decent. but They, they are decent. But their defense they is had good. To, they had to pull Phillip Rivers out at the end of that game just because he can't throw far enough. So they had to bring in Jacoby <laughs> Brissett to heave the ball down the field. Yeah. It's never a great sign. I'm pretty sure the Saints did that last night. They had Taysom Hill come in and throw it about 15 yards, and then Drew Brees came back in the game. The Saints are a little more loaded. I don't know talent. if that was the reason, but sure looked like it. All right, so let's... Uh, okay. <laughs> sure looked like it. Uh, just, you know, I'm not saying anything. Uh, okay, so I'll just give you my list and you tell me it's if you the have top, any different. It's the top seven that make it, right? Well, yeah, so uh, the way we're doing this is just right now you have to call the seven teams that are going to make the playoffs from the NFC. I, I would say we have to call which teams are going to make it and mm-hmm. which team of those seven is going to get a first-round bye. Okay. So for me, I have New Orleans, Philadelphia. Philadelphia's going to win the East. So uh, Green Bay. Is, is this true? I saw a tweet that said the Philadelphia Eagles do not have to win another game this year to win that division. I, I because of the ties. <laughs> that 
Man, there's no way that can be true because they still have enough divisional games left. That if they kept losing, I don't know why someone would tweet that. I'm like, wait, what? Well, for the dramatic, maybe effect, it was they don't have to win another divisional game. I don't know. They didn't play yesterday and moved <laughs> up on everybody. Um, okay, sorry. Go they're ahead. three, four, and one, and they have a game and a half lead in the division. Like, and it's locked up because Dallas is two and seven. The Giants are who? If I told you somebody other than Philadelphia was winning that division, who would you take? Well, mathematically speaking, Washington is the second place team yeah. in that division at two and six. Horrible. Awful. All uh, right. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So I'll go Philadelphia, Green Bay, New Orleans, Tampa, although I'm not nearly as high on Tampa as everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Seattle, Rams, Cardinals. I think those seven teams are all in. I really do. I And I think, I think New Orleans is going to get the first round by because you have to remember they're already 2-0 against Tampa, so within their yeah. division. Yeah. Um, I think Green Bay's got some issues. Philadelphia is awful. And I just think Seattle, Arizona, and the Rams are going to beat each other up. So I'll say New Orleans gets the number one seed. Yeah, you know what? That's exactly what I was going to say. I have the exact same teams as you. Um, Like I said before, I think the Rams are going to squeak in. Um, I don't believe in the Chicago Bears at all. The 49ers can't get out of their own way with either injuries or COVID problems now with Kendrick Bourne and all those guys being out against Green Bay on Thursday night. Uh, The Vikings, I mean, they've played better recently, but I think think their their holes too deep for them to get out of that and, and especially with playing in the same division as the Packers they're not going to catch the Packers. I'll go out on a limb and say that Green Bay gets the first round by. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe just to be different for Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers, yeah, I mean, you know, imagine if they had uh, drafted a receiver or traded for Wolf Fuller or something. <laughs> you know, uh, if, if they were playing for this year instead of 3 years from now. I, but I, and I agree with you. I think I think out of the uh, dumpster fire that is the NFC East, I think the Eagles will limp their way to a division title there. They might even, well, might. They'll probably be under 500 and get it. So let's let's do this. First of all, just for the, the purpose of this exercise, was to kind of serve as a reminder that the Cardinals, if they just play the way they played in the first half of the season, and we're hoping they get better, but if they just play the way they played in the first half of the season, mm-hmm. I understand yesterday was frustrating. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, but, you know, it's important to finish either winning the division or as uh, as the top wild card so you get to play the Eagles or whoever comes out of there. If you had to pick a team, though, outside of, of those seven that we both think are going to make it, and let's throw Chicago out because they're, like, right there. Mm-hmm. I don't think you, either one of us would pick them anyway. Who's like your long shot going to come back? And and I tell you, you know, at the end of the season, somebody goes on a run and sneaks in the playoffs in the Ooh. NFC. Because I think I have right. my answer. I don't understand why this team is as bad as they are. The Panthers. Um, they would be my second okay, choice okay. if McCaffrey was if if he wasn't hurt again. Then I would say I the would Panthers. say yeah. Like if they if the Panthers had a healthy Christian McCaffrey, they'd be my sneaky team. That that team but, is better than their record. Yeah, and, and they've they played are. they've played better than their record. They've lost a lot of close games, and they've done it despite not having McCaffrey. Who's the team that you? Would I think say? Minnesota. Yeah, Dalvin Cook in his last two <laughs> games. I am going to have to do the math here. That's a hundred nine carries, three hundred. He's got close to five hundred total yards in the last two games, and they have two. Good receivers on that offense with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't get why they're that bad. Is their defense that bad? Is Kirk Cousins yes. just that bad of a quarterback? Yes, yes, man, to all these things. Man, they um, still owe him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that was not the best decision anybody's ever made. Four hundred seventy-eight total yards 
for Dalvin Cook in the last two games oh, to boy. go with six touchdowns. And their schedule the rest of the way, and I want to be clear in case you're just turning your radio on right now, I'm not saying Minnesota's good. I'm not saying Minnesota's going to make the playoffs. But if you're telling me a long shot right now in the NFC does, I think it's Minnesota because their schedule on top of having Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson is Chicago, Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Chicago, New Orleans, Detroit. I mean, to make the playoffs... You're going to have to and, go 9-7. and seven. And Dalvin Cook missed a couple games there, too, so I don't know what their record would be if yeah. he had not missed those games. Yeah, I, I'm confused about Carolina. They're, uh, I'm just looking at the standings right now. They're amongst teams like the Falcons yeah. and the Washington football team. They're a fun they're, team to they're watch, only, They're the 13th, uh, They're 13th in the NFC right now, and... They have a they have some good players there. I don't really understand why it hasn't. I mean, they do have a rookie rookie head coach this year and all that, but yeah, they have more talent than their record shows. Rookie head coach, but I actually like Matt Rule more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. It's just they've had McCaffrey for two and a half games. They no, almost lost those two. Games, they almost but. had the Chiefs there. They have a lot of Joey close Sly losses. couldn't make a freaking sixty-seven yarder. Come on, dude, slacker in the wind. The one Come on. I, I think the one that they're going to look back on that really burned them was last Thursday against Atlanta where they lost 25-17 cuz it's like yeah. their other losses are like close to the Kansas City Minnesota, very close to New Minnesota Orleans. too lost a game against Atlanta that yeah. the 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 week after Atlanta fired Dan Quinn Atlanta should be like 7 and 2 and they're 3 and 6 This is the rundown hosted by Luke Lipinski 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station It is time for fill in the blank. Luke Lipinski here with you. Bear behind the glass. Final segment of the show tonight. Figured it was time for some levity. Time to play a game. Get the uh, bitter taste of the Cardinals game and the ASU game from this weekend. Just wash that away. So it's fill in the blank. You want to explain the uh, bed music here, Cody? This is Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Nice nice work. Nice work. Uh, Okay. The way this works, we each have four sentences for the other person. Uh, we don't know what each other's sentences are. You got to fill in the the word that's missing, and you got to. You know, we can talk about it. Obviously, it's radio. We don't want this to be a five second segment, but it's supposed to be. You hear the sentence, you hear where the blank is, and you just answer as quickly as possible. So, I'll go first. Ready? Okay. You feel blank every time you see Zane Gonzalez <laughs> line up to kick a field goal. Nervous. Nervous. That's putting it mildly. And now. what's funny about that is I didn't used to feel nervous when I was at ASU going to those games. He was great. He at was ASU. automatic at ASU, and ever since he's gotten the NFL, he started with Cleveland, and he missed that. Remember, he missed that kick to end their their lo- massive losing streak, yeah. and he was never the same after that. And then he comes to Arizona, and he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good, but I don't know. Recently, it just. I don't know if it's because he doesn't get a lot of chances to kick field goals anymore because Cliff goes for it on fourth down so much. Cliff does not like to kick unless the entire game's on the line. Yeah, and it didn't help that he got iced by his own team, but no, I don't know. Every time he goes out there in a big moment, I just, I'm like, Ugh. He, even yesterday I was like, he's, I'm like, I think he's going to miss it, but I didn't think he'd be short. I just no. thought he'd miss it. Did not. I mean, I really did not think he'd be short. I, I know uh, on 49 Dave, yards, Dave Burns told the story earlier on, on their show. It was like, once he saw the ball in the air, he had turned down to start writing something about notes for his show yeah. today. Yeah. Moving forward, because when you see a kick that down the middle, you're like, okay, unless yeah. it's a 65 yarder, you're 
you're like moving it was on. Perfectly accurate. No, I, I mean he did. He did come back and hit that big field goal in overtime against yep. the Seahawks. He did last week. He did. I don't typically feel nervous when he kicks. I'm a hundred percent going to now, and the only way that that's going to get fixed is if he goes like four or five games without any miscues. All right, my first one. The uh, the zero and eight Jets are currently taking on the two and five Patriots. It's looking like maybe the zero and eight Jets will turn into the one and eight Jets uh, here on Monday Night Football. <laughs> so I'll just ask you this simply: this matchup makes you feel blank, nauseous, nauseous, definitely <laughs> nauseous. Um, and I actually ate dinner early tonight before the show, so that wasn't smart because. There's no other live sports going on tonight, so I obviously have the Monday Night Football game in here, but I have it on the the way we're set up. The first TV's sort of blocked by like the mic stand here, <laughs> so really the second TV is. Don't like the really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, if I if I kind of like duck down, I don't have to see it. The second TV is like the main one I can see. It's just NFL highlights, and uh, rest assured, there's no Jets or Patriots <laughs> on that TV. Yeah, nauseous. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are eight and zero. They will lose blank games this season. Regular season. Three. Oh, wow. You think they go five and three down the stretch, huh? Yes. Um, I don't even know who they play. So but, so uh, <laughs> do you think they they win the division, or do you think Baltimore wins the division? I think the Steelers will win. Okay. They don't have Pittsburgh scheduled the rest of the way is Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Washington, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Colts, Browns. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see them going like lose to Baltimore, lose to Buffalo or Indianapolis, and maybe things get sideways in one of those Cincinnati games. Maybe something like that. Maybe. Um, I think their defense is too good to let a rookie quarterback beat them right now, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Joe Even Burrow if it's Joe good. Burrow. Um yeah, I mean, their last few games, though, very close against uh, Garrett Gilbert. So their defense almost let Garrett Gilbert beat them yesterday. Uh, almost lost to Baltimore. It's understandable. Almost lost to Tennessee. Although they've been three straight road games, and their defense has a ton of injuries right now. So we'll see. Um, question before I read this. Yeah. Is the plan for the NCAA to actually have an NCAA tournament this year? I, this season? I hope so, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the hope. All right. Well, if that happens, okay, ASU basketball... You saw open the season, 18th. Yes. This team under Bobby Hurley will go to the blank round in the NCAA tournament. If there is an NCAA tournament, please, God, let there be an NCAA tournament. I don't care where the madness is. It's it's April madness. I don't care. I'm going to say... Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say Sweet 16. Okay. I'm going right, to say it. Be- right. Because they were so... There was there was so much excitement around this team at the end of last season, and then the season just got cut short. And now they've added, and they've added another really good recruiting class. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming everything plays out like normal, and it's not like oh, you know, their best player missed ten games. Or I, I think that the next logical step for them is to get out of that first weekend of the tournament. So yeah, I'll stay Sweet Sixteen. Uh, by the way, I you know I, I said that I was going to write down all our playoff predictions before you didn't write any of them down. I wrote them down and I already threw it away. Okay. Well, dig those out of the trash. and <laughs> I love to end every show by digging through the trash. Or go back and listen to the podcast. That, that's the out. easy way to do it on ArizonaSports.com. Kyler Murray was thinking blank when he sat there silently after the game yesterday. Why didn't I get it on fourth down? Yeah, on you that made... last fourth down where they didn't convert, where Chase Edmonds ran it. Why didn't I have the ball? You made a good point during the break that... 
he basically told Cliff to stop being so conservative a couple weeks ago at the end of games. Just, Cliff said that he's that Kyler told him that. Yeah. And uh and then Cliff, who is not conservative at all for fifty five minutes. He wasn't conservative by going for it, though, huh? but he was he just ran it up the middle with Chase Edmonds. I do wonder, and I like Cliff. I think, like I've said a million times, I do think he's he's self-aware enough to try and get better in the areas where he is he's messing up. But um, I do wonder if sometimes he tends to overthink it a little bit. They can't stop Kyler Murray running. They can't. Yeah, they weren't at any point. Uh, you mentioned it. The Steelers are 8-0. The Chiefs, 8-1. The Seahawks, Packers, and Saints are all 6-2. The best team in the NFL right now is Chiefs. blank. This Chiefs. This Chiefs? Yeah, before you even put the black right. there. It, you know, it's funny. You listen to all these different shows. You see even, you know, NFL Network, whatever, podcasts. They all are kind of like trying to find, like, who's okay, who's the best team? Is it Green Bay? Is it is it, uh, is it Pittsburgh because they're undefeated? And I give them credit for that. Is it Buffalo? Baltimore because of Lamar Jackson? Everybody's trying to find a team to say other than the Chiefs because that's that's the easy thing to say. They just want to, The Chiefs are absolutely the best team yep. in the NFL. Yep. They absolutely are. Okay. Your favorite Thanksgiving side is blank. Stuffing. Ooh, that was a quick answer. All right. That or um, my, it, it's been made by multiple different people in our family, but we do this baked macaroni and cheese oh, dish. That sounds good. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, it's, t- it's a tie. It's a tie. It, my mom's stuffing is really good because it's not, it's more like, it's dry and a little crispy on top, and oh, she, puts like a, she puts Italian sausage in it. So, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be there. We're doing the show from your house on Thanksgiving. Cool. Um, you know, you, I, welcome, Luke Lipinski. <laughs> that is uh, that is inspired by the most popular Thanksgiving sides map that's on uh, Twitter today. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. It looks like an election map, but it's the most popular side in every state. And ironically, Nevada had no problem saying mashed potatoes very quickly in this as opposed to an election. <laughs> Green bean casserole for Arizona. Who did they talk to in this state that said green bean casserole? All of the snowbirds that move here and people who retire here. That's ugh. That's hideous. Ugh. Ugh. Go ahead. All right. My last one is, is, is a little bit sad. Sadly, we lost a legend yesterday. Alex Trebek, the legendary host of Jeopardy, passed away at the age of 80 after a battle with cancer. I'll ask you this. Your favorite game show is blank. It comes down to mood. I would the respectable okay. answer is to say Jeopardy. Yes. I always thought there was going to be a point when I grew up that I'd be able to answer like half. Of I it. always feel so stupid yeah. when I watch Jeopardy, and, and then when I feel good, I realize they're doing like the elementary school one. And I'm like <laughs> I'm crushing these kids. Um, family Feud, I guess, if you're in the right mood. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, not Wheel of Fortune. I was, you know, it's funny. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I'll always have a special place for Wheel of Fortune because really? I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, and they all they watched Wheel of Fortune every day. I'll respect that. Every Pat Sajak hasn't aged since I was Family four. Feud's fun, though. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks to you for listening. It's the Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.